Hello, dear listener. You're listening to New Game Plus, the internet's 58th leading gaming podcast. I'm your host, Daniel. And your co-host, Antonio. And this week, we got a topic brought to us from Antonio himself. Yes, uh, I figured because uh, I've been into I've I've noticed a couple of uh, smaller or, or more cult games uh, that have kind of taken the world by storm, started to get a resurgence. Mainly like Minecraft um, is the is the big one. It I kind of had me thinking, you know, what other games out there that I've like really grabbed, you know, sections of the gaming crowd or like have started small. And just blown up completely because of just the subject matter or just how the game is. So it looks like we can kind of categorize this into two different ways. Small games that had a no, had a dedicated following that just grew huge, like say Minecraft, and smaller and small games that stayed small, but their following is just so loud. Mm-hmm. And that's so those are the types of games we'll be talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. So, since this is your topic, why don't you kick off with your first game you want to talk about? Undertale. Ooh, boy. I'm going, I'm going big. We're just, just, we're just kicking off with diving, one of the bigger right ones. In. That was actually the first thing that I thought of. Like, whenever whenever I think of, like, games like that, that started off, like, small, that grew undeniably huge. Like, Undertale is the first one I think of. Because I remember hearing about it. And everyone was like, oh, this is, there's this really cool, like, retro, retro style kind of RPG, but nobody has to die. And, like, and the, and the combat system is really unique. Like, I've never seen it done this way before. And I'm like, okay, well, it looks kind of cool. And I saw, you know, I saw a couple of, of, like, very spoiler-free reviews and, like, really generic overviews about it. I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And so I bought it. I think it was for like five bucks or ten bucks or something and i started playing it and like right off the get-go i'm like um you know let me let me see you know you you get dropped in the like the, the cave and meet up with uh, the first major character that you find toriel and and i remember i, I was like okay i want to try and go for a pacifist run but i'm going to like it's actually me in the game and how am I going to react? I want to see how the world reacts to me. And there's a point in the beginning where she leaves you alone and says, you know, just wait here. You know, you know, be a good child and, and wait here. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to see if what happens if I actually wait. Well, something happens. Um, and sure enough, there are some extra things that like little like Easter egg things that happen like all the way until like a full 20 minutes of just waiting. And it was at that point that I realized like whoever made this game like really made like put a lot of development effort into it. And I just got sucked in from there. So yeah, Undertale coming out in 2015. My experiences with the game is you know, I heard about this um, unique really odd but full of charm RPG that borrows a lot from the Earthbound series in terms of like uh, you know view view uh, battle view but it has a uh, bullet hell type of combat and I played the game and I I knew about the whole pacifist uh, 
uh, genocide and neutral route. I immediately went with a pacifist route and uh, full disclosure here, listeners, I never played ne- any other ending after that. I got the pacifist ending and I stopped there. Same. I, I mean, because you have to you have to get the neutral ending first, but then you yeah go back and do the pacifist and like, yeah. I I haven't uninstalled it, mm-hmm. but I never touched it since. And I thought it was a very unique game. I thought the characters were very, um, very interesting, very funny. There was a, there was clearly a lot of background lore that is only scattered around in different pieces there, and not 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 forget about the stuff that's like outside of the actual game itself. It, it, it's a big meta. There's a lot of meta fiction here, um, and this is one. I think this is, this counts on that first category of like small games that just absolutely blew up because you couldn't go to a convention without somebody dressed up as Sans, somebody dressed up as Frisk, or you know, or what's the actual name of the child? Uh, yeah, Frisk is is the name of the player child, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And okay, so it got to the point, me personally here, that I, I, I think I suffered from burnout with Undertale in terms of like its fan. It, it got a little much, and like everyone was talking about it, and you kind of have to back away at that point. It got a little bit overwhelmed. I, I agree. But do I think it's a outside of the fandom? Do I think it's a bad game? Absolutely not. It's a very fun game that I think everyone at least it's worth a sh- a try mm. and and uh you know and you have the whole like delta rune thing happening and that was a that was a very interesting uh game and I'm very I'm actually really looking forward to what Toby Fox has in store for that series so let's talk about why this captured everyone's attention here what what are elements of the game that like propelled it to like the zeitgeist of everyone loves this game, everyone wants to talk about this game, everyone wants to dress up as this game. There are dedicated uh, meetups for this game. What about this game is so uh, attention grabbing? I I honestly think it's it's kind of twofold. And there's like for me, it's like on one on one end you've got the characters and like the world itself is really immersive it's very solid you know it has its own rules its own lore um it's something that you can very much immerse yourself in um god there are so many ocs (laughs) yeah you know and then you have like that that whole ocs now in the other aspect of it the the more of the meta aspect of it um it may have been a you know a only a couple of major developers working on the game, but uh, Toby Fox, if I remember right, is was an artist for the Homestuck series. Mm. Um, and so having that kind of fan base behind your name, that kind of already really dedicated fan base and saying, hey, an artist that worked on Homestuck is making a game where none of the monsters have to die and you can become friends with them like that can that you already have an amazing foundation i think you're you're kind of you're you're right there it's um because toby fox created this world that has so many different people so many um so many characters with different um orientations identities 
it's the perfect, and I don't mean this in any negative form whatsoever, the perfect Tumblr game. Mm-hmm. This was embraced, uh, I saw the biggest embrace on the Tumblr scene back when I was still on that site. Mm-hmm. Because there, you saw so many people making headcanons, finding reasons to relate to these characters, and you you have when you have that kind of um, viewpoint and that kind of diversity. I think it's what makes it, especially when it comes to with, with the younger folks, it just makes it it is it's naturally embraced. Yeah, you know? like like this was this was a, a this was one of the the games that gets the honor of I was going to stop playing around midnight and then I got really sucked into the story and I finished the pacifist ending around like 2 to 3 a.m. tears still in my eyes um, because that ending was absolutely touching as as a player and just as somebody who got to experience that entire story uh completely blind actually i knew like nothing of the plot other than try and make nobody die uh, and and big kudos on all of the the music and sound design for that game as well because i was just about to mention that because i think another big element of why this game is so beloved is it has a banger yeah you know and, and a lot of it's just really basic like retro tunes but then, like you, like like in the beginning, it is all like very, you know, very chip tune, very retro s. You know, you get some really cool beats with like uh, like Muffet Spider Dance or you know Bone Truzel and stuff like that. But then you get Megalovania. Yeah, then you get Megalovania. You get um, Metaton's theme. Yeah, Meta Metaton's theme, and like you start diving into more, not quite. You know stuff that you wouldn't normally expect in a retro game. You get you know the hard rock, you get the the, the zappy pop, you know, and not like retro chiptune pop. You get like full on like electro, and that, it, and that's just from the actual original game soundtrack. And that's not to mention the remixes, the band covers of these songs. Mm-hmm. Like I I know at least two or three people who have done like metal or like rock covers of like Megalovania or other songs and. They are just as good to listen to as the original. And another thing I kind of want to touch on is like, it's how they, it's so people love to merge or mix it up, fuse it with other fandoms because um, there, there are countless mashups of like, or like reinterpretations of Sans and using the theme from like Stronger Than You from Steven Universe. Mm, I, I know, I know exactly the video series that you're talking about. I, love that series and I, and I love that there were people that took the original and then made alternate versions for different characters and like oh. it became this whole uh, like it became this whole like series essentially so with this game series like me personally I don't have an interest in you know getting into the fandom itself I don't want to be I don't see myself being part of that community Mm-hmm. Do I think they have the right to just? Of course I do. You know, mm-hmm. they have the right to love what they love. I just sometimes I just I just get overwhelmed by the like you you gotta love this or you you can't have this headcanon because this it, this this classes with my headcanon. Like it, uh, like with most things, there's let let there's people a, enjoy things. There's a dark side to this fandom. Like yeah, 
fandoms. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's a dark side to pretty much every fandom, but I, I, I completely get it. It's, like, it's one of those, I, I don't feel like I'm really part of the major Undertale fan base anymore, but I will gladly talk about it, and I will 110% recommend that game to anybody who wants something that is very moving, like, like just a really good indie game. Do you see the Undertale fandom lasting for the next couple years? Absolutely. No, no question. Especially if um, Deltarune Part Two ends up coming out. Yeah, no, that that fan base is going to last for a good long while. I feel. I agree. All right, let's move on to uh, my first game. Then the first game with a cult following I want to talk about is I'm going to throw a curveball here. This really? is going to be a browser game. As no, in... The only one I know of is RuneScape. <laughs> no. This is going to be a game called Frog Fractions. Frog Fractions? Yeah. Never heard of it. You you do a curveball. I, okay, so... Basically... I don't... I, I want to spoil it, but at the same time, I don't want to spoil it. So... Frog Fractions is basically a math game where you play a frog and you do simple fraction puzzles or problems. Mm -hmm. Keep playing the game. That's all I can say because it goes to places you would not expect. the, The reason why I feel this is a cult following is because the original creator, Twin Beard Studios, Drop this game out on this on this random uh, um, flash site. It's a flash. Really, and all of a sudden, people were just talking about this game. But everyone agreed it was, it was the same kind of routine. Nobody talked about what the game actually is. It was it was, want- it was more of a Have you played Frog Fractions? How far have you gotten? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. And. I've never seen that with a simple browser game. And so then, eventually, they created a Kickstarter for Frog Fractions 2, and it succeeded. And let me see if I can pull up the uh, what it uh, went for. Let me see. It was for 60k, and it succeeded. But the developer then said, we will not tell you when this game comes out. We will not tell you how this game comes out. If you find Frog Fractions 2, congratulations, you found it. What? So then the meme became, is this Frog Fractions 2? When you come when you come when you come across a random indie game. Mm-hmm. And that's so some from, ARG level stuff right there. This is ARG the, yeah, this is some ARG the game. So <laughs> I wanna tease some things here. I really do. So one thing I want to mention is for Frog Fractions 2, I hope you have a Mass Effect 2 save somewhere. What? Yes. What the f- I'm gonna have to look <laughs> I'm gonna have to look this up. <laughs> I will send you a link to the game and I will ask you to play it and then like this tweet, just give me a tweet about mm. what the hell you just want to play. 
it'll it, it might take a while but uh i'll just be glad to have it bookmarked yes <laughs> um but this is one of those things where it's it's, it's definitely a small game and if i'm being honest it's probably not as well known but the, the people who do know frog fractions will push frog fractions super far so yeah, that's all I can and probably should say about Frog Fraction. Well, damn, Col- de- absolutely co- color me interested. At first you had my Mission- attention. At first you had my curiosity, sir, and now you have my attention. Ab- absolutely, that's exactly how that went. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, let's go with your next game. Um. So my next game is from a little company known as Carpe Fulger. Okay. Uh, they made a couple of like anime-ish games, um, but the one that they're really known for is a game called Reseteer. Mm. Um, now, a lot of people don't really know about Reseteer, but uh, it's a game where essentially you play as this, this young girl who is tasked with paying off a debt that her family owns on their house slash item shop. Um, And so she is tasked with managing this item shop in this RPG world and recruiting adventurers and joining them in dungeons to farm stuff. And then you go out and you, uh, after you're done, you go back to your shop and you price them out and you haggle with people and you, you know. A lot more people know of this as a game called Moonlighter made by a different a different company but it's the exact same premise you go out and you're an adventurer by day and you're a shop owner by night or other way around scratch that reverse um but it's it's pretty much that same thing i just like reseteer um it came out before moonlighter did um, but i also just like the more chibi kind of aesthetic to it okay so what about this game makes the whole game I, actually um, had, I, just, I was checking my Steam list and I turned out, oh wait, I do have this game. I just it, never played it. Like, it, it, I, it, it, uh, the company in and of itself is kind of like a, a cult game because I think they've only made like the three games that were in their pack, which is Reseteer and then two other games that I forgot about. I played uh, them all. Yes, Fortune Summoners. And, and Shantley's. I think Fortune Summoners was the three-person like RPG. That one was fun. Uh, I, I don't think I did Shantley's. I didn't really enjoy that one much. But Reseteer was the big one that like like everyone enjoyed, or a lot of people enjoyed. Um, I liked it just because it was a it was a very at the time a very niche game. Because it was like an oh you know it's like an RPG, but what if you know you were an NPC in the RPG instead of an actual like the actual hero? And it was a it was a nice little take on the RPG world. And granted, the the voice acting and also the, like the cute chibi art style was what really captured my heart first. Hmm. And the, uh, the the dialogue, um, the translated dialogue for the English is also. Um, 
a little uh, is like just pretty hilarious. Like you, there's, there's a couple of screenshots. Like the the main two screenshots that I can think of are is like you know someone's like, oh, will you buy this from me? I've had this in my I've had this in my family's possession for generations, and it's like a baked yam. And then there's uh you know, and then there's uh, the tagline that the main character says, which is capitalism ho, which you know coming from a little girl is kind of like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I sure do and en- I sure do enjoy that capital. <laughs> and so what other ways is this show like how are people is is this like a I feel like this is not a game that's like that has a cult following maybe in the West, but I feel like it has maybe a huge cult following in the you know, in Japan. Am I yeah. wrong in thinking that? Uh no, I, I feel like that's that's actually more accurate because I've seen a good amount of like cosplay and stuff from Resetir, but mainly in the Japanese in, in Japan, in the Japan kind of circles. I've maybe seen like one or two here in the West, and I've like freaked out whenever I've seen them, but Oh, okay. And Okay, so is this still a thriving fandom to you? Um, I feel like it's a, it, it is a lot more dormant now just because I don't think Carpe Fulger has made any major games since then. So it's kind of like their, it was kind of like their one and done collection. But it, it's, it's kind of like in the way, I feel like it's kind of there in the way like the room is for movies where it's like, mm. the, you know, that, that studio did a one and done thing. And that's it. But the people that know it, know it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much all your thoughts on Rush Re- here. Mm-hmm. All right. So my next game that I want to talk about is, you know what? I'm going to start off by a little tune. And forgive my singing ability, listener, but I got to do this. And now that's stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Yes, it is now. Thanks. You're welcome. I'm thinking about like adding the background music from these games as we're talking about them just to add some production value for this. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So, yes. Katamari Damas. Where to start with this game series? So, quick kind of breakdown of the gameplay. You play a small prince, you have a Katamari, and you roll shit up. That's it. That is literally the entire game. game. You start up picking up like little scraps of paper and like little paper clips, and at the end you're rolling up like giraffes, cows, and buildings, and and then eventually you're rolling up entire countries and continents. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty you know, nutty. I would be remiss if I left out my girlfriend Ashley, aka um, Ash Akayue's favorite game series, because she is an absolute fan girl for the entire series. And yeah, so we broke down the gameplay, and that is literally it for most of the entire series. That's the only game. There hasn't really been that much of a change, but the general weirdness of this game, the 
I think I'm, I'm testing a trend here. The soundtrack that is just so catchy and so you want to listen to it all the time. Uh, earworms. It's just nothing but earworms. It's stuck with people. And especially for people who are prone to or lean towards that quirky, weird Japan feel. And I, I don't want to be... Um, I don't want to be dismissive, but there is that weird Japan uh, feeling when they read into like certain games. Am I wrong? No, not at all. You, you are absolutely right. There's that, there's that kind of quirkiness that you're just like, wow, this is so wacky and crazy that like for an American audience seems like really out there, but for Japan humor, it's more so that kind of stuff is more of like a, a timing sort of thing. But we have to re- recognize that even Japan finds these weird also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people also love... No, people absolutely love the King of All Cosmos. Oh, yeah. I mean, how can you not? I wish I wish I could speak in record scratches. I wish I can have his speaking word play wherever I go whenever I enter a room. Yes. If I were a wrestler, that would probably be my first entrance. Oh my god, that would be great. <laughs> I'm talking to you, base wrestling, if I ever get if I ever get I was, into bed. <laughs> I was actually about to say that. <laughs> um But it, you know, it's and also combine that with the bright colors, just the simple gameplay, it's just easy for people to pick up and play. So you don't have to be a a hardcore gamer to enjoy Katamari Damacy. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. It's like anyone can enjoy this game. Any age, any skill level. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, yes, the more advanced levels actually do require a little bit of, you know, Thought. technical know-how, but overall, it the goal is simple, the controls are simple, once you get a hang of them, and it's just, it literally is just a, a smile giving good time from start to finish and i just want to give a quick shout out to the designer keita takahashi who in 2009 actually left video games to do he decided to he wanted to design playgrounds for children and he did do that Hmm. and only now recently did he decide to come back to uh game design with Matam, which is, as far as I'm concerned, it's as far as I know, it's still not out yet. But I saw demos of it at the, a, a PSX long time a long time ago. It is another very weird game where you hold hands with different characters until eventually you set off fireworks that makes everyone all fly into the air. <laughs> Message me the name of this game, because uh, yet again, you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> It's Watam. That's W A T T A M. Mm-hmm. And his uh, his kind of like quote on the game is, "I'm always trying to make a game that makes people notice how our ordinary life is great." Watam also has that same feeling. Okay. That is. I can't nice. wait. Yeah. So you know, Katamari Damashi, a weird game. A weird, 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 weird game with awesome music, great visuals, and a funny ass character. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next for you, man? Uh, let's see here. 
So I haven't played this myself because okay. uh, I'm not skilled slash patient enough. Uh, but uh, Cuphead. Ooh, this is definitely the most recent one we have on this. Mm-hmm. There's oh. and, and there's and and I've I've noticed and I I guess we can kind of like add this to a little bit of a trend and like I know they're not the exact they're not the exact same game. Uh, they're they're not the same game, but um, I've noticed an, a big upsurge in games that aren't afraid to be really really challenging, where they're like I've I've like there's been a lot of games where people have been like. Have you have you played this? It's so difficult, but you'll have fun at least doing it. You, I don't know if you'll beat it, but you'll have fun. You'll want to break the controller. I love this game. Exactly, like like cup like, like Cuphead, Super Meat Boy is a classic one. Um, Enter the Gungeon is more of a roguelike, but I I've noticed you know some people have gotten salty there. Um, anything from From Software. Yeah, anything from From Soft, um, including Metal Wolf Chaos. Uh, <laughs> I've been watching. I'm watching your streams of that. Like, it's definitely is a FromSoft game, for sure. Um, and uh, I believe Dead Cells is also in that sort of really difficult, mm-hmm. in it, the it, more it challenging is. genre. It is. So, what about Cuphead that makes you see this? I, uh, the art style is always the first thing that jumps out to me, um, yes. and the fact that this, like, like it's not just oh, it, it's it's digital art. Like, this is all like cartoon drawn like it, it was an effort was absolutely made to recreate the old school Mary know, Melodies 1930s cartoon exactly you got the Pac-Man eyes you got the the big heads the expressive mouths and everything like and and then again like we've always said the, the soundtrack just to top it all off with that old school like ragtime style of music it it it's art like there's no way other like there's no two ways about it. So let me tell you how effective that art style was. That game was first revealed at an Xbox press event at E3 in 2014 in a montage of indie games for Xbox One. That was in 2014. The game did not come out until 2017, but that's the one game out of that montage that people kept on asking about because it stuck with me. People kept on asking about, yo, so when is that Cuphead game? I want to hear know more about that Cuphead game. And it just, every year, ever since then, people want to know more about that game because it was so unique. Holy crap. I just, I didn't, I didn't realize it was on an Xbox. Uh, it started as an Xbox reveal. Yes. Yeah, it was started off on the, yeah, not even a reveal. It was just part of a, it was like a, just a, a montage of random indie games for Xbox. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I get what you mean. I like that little like before the before the very last announcement. You got like the here's some look at some upcoming titles that are coming up. Yeah, here's some in. Uh, it was yeah. Here are some in developers we have developing games for Xbox One. Yeah, that was it. But it stuck with people. That is awesome. I mean, literally, we know the pain we were in for. <laughs> And, and we bought into it all the same. Like there's, and and again, there, like, speaking of the whole like art thing, like it's not just art to watch, like to just see the game, but to see it being played really well, 
and like to see like no hit runs or like you know one life runs or whatever like i, I watched a speed run of it during uh not summer games done quick but i think it was awesome games done quick mm-hmm. and oh my god like it's crazy it is some top-notch game design that I feel should be studied in other game in other game design mm-hmm. So we have the art style, we have the gameplay, simple running gun, boss rush. Um, at first, originally it was supposed to be a boss rush game. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then they added in the uh, the running gun segments. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I mean, how do I know this is a cold game? Go to any hot topic and look at the gaming section. Yeah. That's kind of become my, like, uh, my, what's the word I'm looking for? Not thermometer, but, uh, um, oh, I know what you mean. Like, like, threshold. Yeah, it's threshold. Your, kind of, your, your, your litmus barometer, test. Barometer. My barometer. Yeah, there's. That's my barometer about how, how much has a game time to do. Mm-hmm. So if it's, it's Cuphead and, um, Bending the ink machine right now at this current yeah. I don't. I'm surprised Undertale has not been uh, on there, but I think it's a issue of uh, Toby Fox doesn't want to merchandise. That's yeah, to- Toby Fox is very uh, protective of his copyright, and that's that's good on him. Good on him. You know, that, you have to respect. Exactly. But people love Puppet. Um, they love the characters. They love the world. They love um, the classic music. Um, it's got. It's it's getting a Netflix show. I'm sorry, what? Did you not hear about this? No. It's getting an anime series. It was like last year, Netflix announced they're making the Cuphead show. Oh my god, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. It will still feature hand-drawn characters and movement, but with the aid of no digital media. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't have a release date yet, but... Yeah, and the the team from the game has is will be executive executive producers, so they're still involved. That's oh, so cool. I am I'm very happy that that. See, I love it when stuff like that happens. When like you know, oh, we're gonna we're gonna make a show out of your out of your game, but you know what? Since you did the design, you can still be on this project. Mm-hmm. In fact, you have some uh, creative control. Mm-hmm. That's good to see. You know, that's. That so rarely ever happens. Yeah. And I'm noticing a tra- I'm trying to figure out like a through line here. And games that look simple, you know, look cute, look all quirky, but underneath it lies a, a like a, a darker edge, whether it be through the story or through the gameplay, seems to really kind of grab it. I know. <laughs> so with Undertale, it was uh, it was quirky, but it had a darker element to it. Mm-hmm. Cuphead, it's a cute animation, but it's super fun. Yeah. So I think that's another thing that adds to its cult fall. I think it has to do with those, uh, like, it's that whole, like, subverted expectations sort of thing where you're just like, yeah. oh, look at, look at how happy, it's it's like, um, and it's not a video game, but, like, it's the first thing I can think of. It's like Happy Tree Friends, you know? Yes. Like, you know, back such in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, we, um, we, we funny like... story. A little bit of a digression, but I want to tell this story. Um, mm-hmm. Back in the days of, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but Suncoast. Mm. 
Yeah. I was at a, I was at the, I was at a mall. Uh, it was Sunco to check out the anime section because I was a huge nerd back at the time, and uh, they would play uh, DVDs on the TV on the screen, and occasionally they would let uh, they would play cartoons, and parents would just uh, let their kids watch there while they browse the store. One of those days was Happy Tree Friends. Oh no. Oh, and oh, no. my parents are like, oh yeah, well let's make kids watch this. It's, it's, it's in the... Oh no. Mm, oh, I no. was uh, I was uh, standing in the corner watching the absolute I wanna talk to your manager rage that ensued from that. Oh my god, that's actually kinda of funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. And I didn't know what Shot in Florida was at the time, but I think that's where I first it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's that's my uh, happy tree friends story right there. Oh my god! Someone lost their job that day, maybe. Oh, without a doubt. But Cuphead, uh, yeah, I think it's a rightful, you know, title of a cult game because I still, you know, people are cosplaying as Cup Cuphead and Mugman. I know that Ashley really wants to do a double like cosplay. Mm-hmm. He has. He's been like workshopping this idea for a uh, masquerade skit. He's been like workshopping for like like two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it's just one of those games that is, you know, it's, I think it's going to be in the zeitgeist for a good number of years. So especially now that we have that uh, animated series. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on Cuphead? Uh, no, I. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head on that one. <laughs> All right. So uh, my next game is a game from a developer I've sung the praises of numerous times already. Uh, Hidetaka Suihiro, a.k.a. Swery65. And that game is Deadly Premonition. Hmm. So I will not beat around the bush. As a game itself... Deadly Premonition is jank as fuck. It has... It is a rough play. Between the um, awkward controls, the confusing day-night system, it it does not hold your hand, and there is some... But, why is this a cult falling? It's because it's basically uh, Twin Peaks. Hmm. If you ever, if you never heard of Twin Peaks, if you weren't around in the '90s, Twin Peaks is this really odd mystery show by David Lynch. And if you don't know who David Lynch is, go to any film school. Mm-hmm. That's a name that will come up multiple times. And he is known for his weird, 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 weird films. So what makes Deadly Premonition such a cult game is because it's basically Twin Peaks, even though if you ask Swery, he will say he's never heard of Twin Peaks. What is that? I've never seen this before. Because, yes, it's just Twin Peaks. So you play as FBI agent York Francis York Morgan, a odd uh, agent who is constantly talking to his, I want to say not exactly imaginary friend Zach. He's always saying, hey Zach, what do you think about this? Out loud. He is not hiding it. <laughs> and he is there to investigate a murder at this small town of Greenvale. Where 
he is how can I put this? He's a weird character, but everyone around him is even weirder. But they treat him as as the weird. Mm-hmm. And he's the most sane in the insane. He's the most sane in the insane side. And so yeah, it's a open world mystery. Kind of plays like a uh, oh um third person shooter where you try to solve mysteries by finding the clues and push piecing the puzzle together. But there is this supernatural force that's somehow guiding the murders while trying to interrupt your solving in the mist. And this is the game that kind of put Square 65 into the limelight where people hated playing the game but they loved the story. Okay. Oh, because uh, the controls weren't the best. Oh no! It it was like, jank. It, like, like the, the gameplay wasn't anything to write home about, but the the, no. the the world, the characters, the story, the mystery—it's all very engaging. It's all it's all stuff you just want to keep watching. And I discovered this game because of the uh, formerly the Super Best Friends. I watched their complete playthrough of the game. And if you have to, if you want to discover this game, that's the best way I hate to do it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But this has all of Swery's kind of like calling cards. Weird characters, surreal world, um, story that is unpredictable. And I, I absolutely love it. And uh, a, a good soundtrack also. There is a whistling tune in this game that will be stuck in your head for the rest of your life, which I'll probably play under this. <laughs> and it's it's just so good. It is it is such a entertaining story that sticks with you. And it originally came out on the Xbox 360 um, to crap review. I think on Metacritic it's like 68. And on, it was re-released for the PS3 and and only brought it up like two points. Oh God! <laughs> but everyone says it's like best cold game most. Critically, critically polarizing because there are people who love this game and people who absolutely despise this game. It is a polarizing game. People say, "Oh no, this jankiness is is intentional." And it's it's part of the charm. Yeah, it's part of the charm. And I don't know if, that's, if it was intentional or if it's thing, but I do have feel I have to agree that I feel like it's part of the charm. Mm-hmm. So that's how I to know and follow Swery and as I said so many times games like um, The Missing uh, The Missing uh, what else is made? Uh, oh shit uh, uh, D4 Dark Dreams Don't Die please buy that game people because that's a amazing follow up to Deadly Premonition mm. another good really good and that one actually plays better that actually plays fun. And the upcoming The Good Life, which I happen to have kickstarted. Oh, nice. And it just it made me a fan for life. And for a lot of people, the same. Alright, uh, what's your next game, man? I think... Let's see if I can 
pretty quick. I literally had it up here. Apologies for this. There we go. Um, again, it's a game that I I've, I've been meaning to play, and uh, I I'm a little scared playing it. Not because it's a scary game, but mm-hmm. um, I know that once I get hooked and immersed into it, I'm not going to stop. And this is a game that is going to absolutely end in tears for me. Um, to the moon. Oh, the tears are coming for me now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. I've and heard. And the follow-up game also, Finding Paradise. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard so many things about the the story, the design, just everything for this game. Um, I, I gotta ask now: Are you planning to stream this game? I don't know at the moment. Okay. Please let me know if you do, because I want to. I need to see. Oh, oh God! <laughs> and it is, it is tempting. I will, I will absolutely let you know. So, To the Moon by Freebird Games came out in November of 2011, and it's a RPG maker game that is absolutely not an RPG mm-hmm. at all. It is a simple move the story along but it's you know the 16-bit um you know graphics combine this with probably i i don't want to say more about it because i don't want to spoil on you but yeah this story will grip you it really it, it, will. it will break you it will break you you are you even having to have like a eighth of a heart Mm-hmm. This story will break you <laughs> because it is so good. Um, my first discovery of this game was a YouTuber named Marketplace. Ah, yeah, good old Mark. Good old Market or Marky Moo. And I mm-hmm. watched this playthrough of it, and I watched the first episode of it, and I immediately thought, "Okay, pause. I need to play this game myself," and I did. And immediately after I wiped my tears from the credits, I immediately resumed his playthrough of it because I had to see. Mm-hmm. Was it was it everything you were hoping for? It was everything I was expecting. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, this is as, a really good for, game. Yeah, as for as for why it's like a cult, I mean, just from these reactions alone, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious to tell why it's such a, a cult classic because it's I don't know really anything about the story but the fact that its name can be mentioned to anybody who has played it and you get an immediate emotional response like that <laughs> just just isn't is just a proof of of what we're dealing with here and the soundtrack is just tear inducing also the main song of this game is something that is something I will play when I just need a cheering mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what else to say about this game I really 
like I, the more I, I I I talk about this, the more I risk like spoiling it. But I cannot stress this enough. Please play this game, Antonio. <laughs> I, I I absolutely will. Whether it's on stream or not, I will. I will. Um, and I okay. So I think also part of the reason why this became a cult game is because of YouTubers like Mark. Because mm -hmm. um, I feel like while it probably would have had a, like a good res uh, reception, if, because of the fact that it's such a big name, like Markiplier exposed this game to so many people, um, kind of helped its cult status. Mm. I also feel like like I know there's been a lot of games afterward, but I feel like To the Moon really opened the door for a lot of games to just be emotional emotional like, and like, just tell a story yeah for for games to be like this isn't going to be about the gameplay this isn't going to be about you know leveling up your sets you are just along for the ride and that's it because like i know it's not the it's not the same exact kind of um game but like when i think of emotional games like i think of to the moon just based again off of everyone's reactions to it and uh that dragon cancer which i oh, have God. watched uh i have Oof. watched target players play through that and um like i feel like the, like those games were just are just the two main ones that i can think of that are purely just emotional games they were they were designed to deliver a message and nothing more Sorry, right, I'm, I'm writing down all the things we talked about so far, so I can use. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, um, and I, I, you know, games like this, and it, especially using the 16-bit um, uh, graphics, I think it, it just touches a nerve with not only with people who like games, but people who grew up with games. Mm-hmm. Because it taps into that nostalgia, and also when you're playing a game like that, it kind of brings yourself, it lets yourself go back to that mindset of what you were at the time when you were first playing games like this. And mm -hmm. I think that helps add to the emotional impact. Yeah, or or even have the things of like, I never knew that a game that looked like it could be from my childhood era could touch upon such heavy subjects, or you know have this kind of an impact for uh on me mm -hmm. and so like it, it just goes to show you don't need cutting edge graphics to deliver an emotional story no you just need a story you just need a story oh god uh freebird games damn you guys oh <laughs> all like free uh to the moon uh uh, what else? Um, there are the games they have here. Um, a Bird Story and Finding Paradise. These are games you absolutely have to play. Mm -hmm. Best part about it is they're relatively cheap. <laughs> and I think they are coming to the Switch. I could be wrong about that, but uh, I think, I think I've heard, I, at the very least, I think I've heard To the Moon, to the moon is, is going to be mm -hmm. Switch port. But don't, don't go beyond that. Actually, you know what? There's an easy way to find it. Good. We have the internet. Judy. 
week. Uh, the mobile version was released, and uh, yeah, it will be released for Nintendo Switch mid 2019. Hey guys, it is now mid 2019. <laughs> oh no! All right. Um, you done? You done? You done talking about it to the moon, or am I gonna start crying some more? I think. I, I think, think we should I've move said, on. I think I've I said all the things. So uh, let's let's end so, let's end this one on a, on a, on another uh, lighthearted note. What's your what's your last one? Lighthearted. Okay. Well, oh no. Okay. So the next <laughs> game that I want to talk about is a game that spawned probably one of the biggest games of the next of the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and this game is called Near. Okay, I rescind my lighthearted comment. Yeah, lighthearted. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Antonio. You're welcome. It's okay. I set it up. Ooh. You knocked him down. Yeah, it, 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 it was all part of the joke. Oh, oh man. Subverting, subverting expectations. expectations. Exactly. You can do that. We got that meta humor. Ooh. Uh. So, Nier is a sequel to a one of the alternate and or other endings of the Dragon Guard series. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see if I can. Uh, it yeah, it's um, it's after one of the bad endings of Dragon Guard two. Mm-hmm. And that's and, specifically near replicant, I believe, or is it just near? Okay, so here I'm. I'm talking to be talking talking strictly about the Western release on the Xbox on the um, PlayStation, mm-hmm. and I think uh, and the Xbox three sixty. So the version that came out to the West was Near Gestalt. Mm. And because there were two versions originally, it was Near Gestalt and Near Replicants. And the difference is one you play a father uh, protecting his daughter, and the other you play a brother, teenage brother, protecting his sister. Okay. And and they made the uh, Gestalt version because they felt like um, Western audiences wouldn't really want to play as a uh, pretty boy uh, teenager. Hmm. Me, personally, I like the chains because it's not, it's something that uh, you don't really see very often. At least not now. <laughs> not then. Now, mm. almost every game needs to have a sad dad. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you have a mad dad. Got mm-hmm. it. Okay. So, Nier is a third-person action game, and it has the same issue. I played this game. And it has the same issue with the premonition where I think it played like crap. Mm-hmm. I hated playing this game. Okay, it was not fun to me. There are certain mm-hmm. parts where it did get a little uh, a little easier, like the bullet helm parts were kind of fun. It was different. But in terms of like the actual like combat, I've played much better. Mm-hmm. But the story of Nier is simply something to experience. Because it goes to places that you don't understand at first. But as you go along, you, as you learn more about the world and you know, learn more about the mystery behind the world, that you go, holy crap, this is much more complex than I thought. And this is one of the game first games I discovered were Every it's it has a new game plus mode, but every ending is you can every ending is different. Mm-hmm. Where 
and we got um another trend here you got some very interesting characters you got um Haine, a person who is interesting mm-hmm. you got um weird uh, mask hi uh, uh uh emil emil who has to wear a mask to protect himself but is highly implied to have feelings for near so mm-hmm. there's that and again speaking strictly on the western release you got to follow a story of a father who would do anything for his daughter which is the time really something that hasn't been seen before music also was just awe-inspiring and just really good to listen to <laughs> i mean mm. how can it not be when it's um when it, the composer was uh Keichike okabe who've mm. done such games such as uh oh a little game called chrono trigger just uh you know you, know, little, you, you, you might have heard of it you might have heard of that game <laughs> and you know uh, and a lot of the final fantasy games mm-hmm. and again i think for me part of the reason why this became such a cult game is its story because it really and it's gameplay in, in a weird way because gameplay kind of tied into the story Mm. And you know what? I I can't really talk about this game without going to its spoilers here because it really ties into it. You play the game enough times to the fifth ending, and the and for a lot of people, this is the true ending. You sacrifice your life. You sacrifice your life to protect everyone that you've grown to care about. And not only does that sacrifice your life. They sacrifice the memory of yourself from these characters and erases your save file too. Holy shit. Does that sound familiar? That that very much does. It's become it, it's kind of become, become a big calling card for one Yoko Taro. Mm-hmm. And also if you try to start the game again and you use the same name you gave the character the, the first time, you can't do it what yes it locks out the previous name holy crap and the events of a little game called near automata takes place after that particular ending hmm holy shit so because yeah i've i've only played uh automata that's that that was my quote-unquote introduction to the world and like I know that during my playthrough I missed like a lot of like callbacks and references but overall well there's some characters I... in this game that show up in Automata mm-hmm. but uh like, I, I know I didn't get all like all of those references and everything but I still absolutely just loved uh, Automata as it was like that's how that's how impactful i feel like yoko taro and and uh um is it saito i think like like there there's a reason why i'm super super excited about final fantasy 14's new 24 man raid 
and whatever because, the hell that Yoko Taro has is doing next. Yeah, and whatever, because if he's part of the helm for that, because it because again the raid is called the raid is outright called Yorhad Dark Apocalypse. So whatever this is going to be, it's going to be an absolute ride, and I'm going to love it. Like I'm expecting to question my existence by the end of this. Yeah. And another thing I want to mention about this game is like throughout the game you're fighting these things called shades, these mysterious monsters that you know you can't understand but they're they're constantly making a sound. Second play through the game, you get to hear what you get to understand what they're saying, but the characters themselves don't know what's going on still. They don't understand the shades. And your heart breaks again because you know what now you know the full story but you're helpless because you got to keep the game moving to stop the tragedy from happening mm-hmm. oh so no fucking goes so fucking unique oh. so yeah heart lifting yeah. finale heart lifting finale <laughs> uh do you have any is your last game potentially a do you have any more games I, it's a little bit more lighthearted. No, I think I think I'm just gonna end it at that because you know what? Yeah. Um, it may not be lighthearted, but it is still really, really impactful. Yeah. Oh God, man. <laughs> I a lot of these games I've had to notice the trend here. <laughs> these are not a lot of these games are not lighthearted. Mm-hmm. No, they are not. But I feel they like seem like the they reason, are. They seem feel, like they are. Yeah, I, I feel like that's part of the reason, though, why they're kind of like up there in that cult status is because you know, with a with a smaller developer, with a smaller designers uh, and stuff like that, you're kind of able to take more risks. You're able to take a darker approach to a story and whatnot, and not have to worry about oh, am I alienating my big budget game? No, it's just I'm gonna make a story and. Here it is, you know. This is the game I want to make. Oh man! Um, so, what listeners? What are some of your favorite um, cult titles? And you know, y- your interpretations of cult can vary, but we would love to hear from you guys about you know, games that you feel are cult titles that you love or you have heard about that want to be. You feel like you want to talk about? We'd love to hear from you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and you can. And if you also have an idea of uh, potential episodes, any topics you want us to, you think would be a good one to cover, you can email us to uh, ngpluspodcast at gmail.com, ngpluspodcast at gmail.com, or you can contact me or Antonio at Antonio. Where can the people contact you? Uh, you can find me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash AKL Trifecta, as well as on Twitter uh, at AKL Trifecta. And you can find me on twitch.tv slash theperpetualplayer1, on Twitter as Perpetual Player, and on Facebook as the Perpetual Player one and same thing on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you like what we do, please uh, subscribe, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment, leave us a review, leave us a like on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get to listen to us. It will really help us grow. And until next time, go out there. You guys are going to do something amazing. And we will see you guys in the next episode. See you later, guys. 
Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey.